Now, today's topic is, um, we're still in the series of Hope is Found in Jesus, and the topic I've been given is action. And, uh, well, on that subject, it does lend itself to another talk on, you know, faith without works is dead, and uh, the fields are ripe under harvest, but oh, the laborers are so few, and, and we could all go down that route of, um, I think the message version says, faith without action is dead. But um, we've, we've had talks on that kind of approach and on serving in the past, and I don't feel I want to repeat them this morning. Tracy gave us an excellent talk on serving only a few weeks ago from her COVID isolation, which you probably will remember. So I want to actually talk to you this morning um, about serving from perhaps a slightly different perspective than we might be used to. And also, um, I, in my talk, I felt I want to just reflect the day, Father's Day. Um, now, we can easily talk about how important serving is, but we know that as Christians. If you've been in church any length of time, you will know serving is really important. But I think I'd probably be preaching to the converted because we are a church. One of our strengths, I really feel, is that we serve well. We really do. And there's such a lot that goes on during the week that is just not um, reflected necessarily on a Sunday, but there's so much serving that goes on during the week, and that is one of our strengths. But what I felt I wanted to do this morning is rewind and go back to, if you like, lay or relay an important foundation stone of service. And I'm going to start in quite an unusual place, but it is a place that will reflect today. Now, I've probably told you before that I was brought up in North Norfolk when my father used to be a market gardener. And I remember that he always seemed to be busy. He didn't often sit down. Um, and there always seemed to be plenty to do. Um, but one nice thing about living at the market garden, even though Dad always seemed to be busy, he was always there. And um, I would often come home from primary school, and I always wanted to know what my dad was up to. So I would set off to try and find him. And I should probably explain, there were lots of greenhouses, and um, these weren't the aluminium, sort of the modern aluminium glass type things. These were the old school brick and wood type. And um, I would walk up the drive between all the greenhouses up the centre of the market garden, and I would get to the top and I would shout, Dad, where are you? And then from somewhere, I'd get this little voice that said, here. And it would sound quite muffled. And uh, I'd say, where are you? Again, he'd say, here. And with all that glass, it was so difficult to actually tell where the sound was coming from. It could be absolutely anywhere. So I would head off in one direction, and I'd shout, Dad, where are you? Here. And it was oh, so this way. So I'd go off this way, up another path, and I'd shout again. And eventually I would track him down. Now I should explain that all the greenhouses did have names. He could so easily just say, I'm in the propagating house, or I'm in number four, and I'd know exactly where to find him. But he never did. And one day, I, I took so long to find him, and I was frustrated. And when I eventually found him, I said, Dad, why didn't you tell me where you were? And he just laughed. 
And I realised later he enjoyed the game. <laughs> he really did. He enjoyed the. He had a real sense of fun. Um, but all that, um, if he knew that the sooner I found him, the quicker he would probably be stopped from doing what he was doing. But it could have been that aspect as well. But anyway, once I found him, he would then spend time with me. He would teach me stuff. He would let me help him, and he would teach me sort of man things like how to cut string with a sharp pen knife so I didn't cut my fingers off, and um, he would show me how to tie different knots, he would let me help him side shoot the tomato plants and tie them up, and all that kind of stuff, and he was, if he was pricking out seedlings, he would give me a seed tray and some compost and a few seedlings, and, and I could do my own seed tray, and he'd, he'd show me how to do it. He'd let me ha have a go at it. And looking back, I really value those memories of spending time with my dad and all the stuff that he taught me. Now, I do realise that not everybody has that kind of father. He, he was a good dad. He had good values, and I feel really blessed to have had him. But... I've thought a lot about this recently, and I'll explain where I'm coming from later. Um, but I do feel this is something God has put on my mind, because I see this experience of how I interacted with my dad a little bit like how God interacts with us. And the first point is that God loves us to seek him. He loves us to seek him. How many scriptures are there that tell us to seek the Lord while he may be found, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. Um, and there's uh, one in Deuteronomy, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. And there's so many scriptures that tell us to seek him with all our hearts and all our souls. That's so important to him. Also, there's an interesting passage in Acts where Paul is speaking to the Greeks of Athens. And he, t he tells them about God creating the heavens and the earth and, and giving mankind a place in history. And then he says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. I'll just read the whole scripture because um, I think it's been put up there, hasn't it? The Lord, sorry, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. God isn't far away from any one of us. But he does love it when we seek him. And the second point I just want to draw out from the story about my father is that my father really didn't need my help. He would have got on much faster without me. And I was probably more in the way, at the age of about seven, I suppose, with all my childlike questions and my rather feeble attempts at trying to do what he would do so much better. But I know he enjoyed spending time with me, 
and I enjoyed spending time with him. Years later, before he died, I can remember him reminiscing and laughing about my seven-year-old attempts at pricking out seedlings. Now, his trays of seedlings with all his experience were nicely spaced out and they were upright and they were healthy, but the seedlings in my trays looked a bit sort of like this, you know, they were a bit, bit bruised and a bit battered. But he said the thing that surprised him was that after they'd spent a few days bedding in, he said, you couldn't tell the difference between the trays that I had done and the trays that he did. And that's so like Father God, isn't it? He really doesn't need our help. He really doesn't. He's so capable of doing anything on, on his own. He's, he's sovereign. And Paul says in this passage here, the next slide, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Now, there are times in history, of course, where God has acted sovereignly with, with, without us. Um, they're sometimes called works of sovereign power. And, you know, several examples I can think of. But salvation, it says in, in Isaiah that God could find no one else so his own right arm worked salvation for him. He did it all on his own. He's capable of doing anything. He's sovereign God. But the amazing thing is, although God can do anything, he chooses to work with us. He doesn't need us, but for some reason, he chooses to work with us. Some people use the word, he co-labors with us. Even though we make a mess, even though we don't do it very well, he chooses to work with us and through us. And he's quite capable of taking our, our efforts and our messes and our mistakes and breathing on them and making them grow. That's the kind of God that he is. And why does he do that? Because he loves working with us. He really does. He loves the intimacy that it brings that we spend time with him, just like me with my dad. And he loves to show us stuff. He loves to teach us things. It's all part of that father-child relationship that he so wants with us. Now, my father had several men working on the market garden. And I think at its height, there was something like nine men there. And my dad didn't sit, sit any of those on his knee. And it would probably have been quite weird if he had have done. Yeah. But the point was, I was his son. My relationship with him was special. And it was totally different to any hired worker or servant. Now, as I said, Father God doesn't need servants. Now, there's an important balance here. Because servanthood is important. We, we know that. Being servant-hearted is so important. But we serve because we follow the example of Jesus who came not to be served, but to serve. And he showed us true servant leadership. But I propose that God doesn't want us to see, want us to see ourselves as servants. And I believe that because of this next passage where Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So can you see that Jesus is calling us to a greater level of intimacy, far greater than any hired worker or servant? Now, Jesus here said, I'm calling you friends. He didn't say, I'm calling you sons and daughters. 
Now, my take on that is because he was talking to his immediate disciples, and at that point, the great transaction of the cross hadn't taken place, so the way wasn't open for them to be adopted as sons and daughters. But that's really what he wants for us. What he was saying to the disciples is, I want a greater level of intimacy with you. You're no longer servants, you're my friends. That's intimate, isn't it? But now he says to us, You're not my servants, you're my sons and you're my daughters. You are my child and I love you so much. That's a special kind of relationship. Now, when we had Steve Upple with us a little while back in this, he said something that has really stuck with me. And that's partly where I'm coming from this morning. He said this, if we can put the next screen up. Before you ask, what shall I do? Ask who you are. Now, that's one of those statements I think is simple, and yet it is so profound. It's something that can be taken on so many different levels. Unless we start from that simple foundation of who we are, we can run into problems. Because we have to deal with what has been called the orphan heart. And until we realize, until we have that revelation, we have the perfect heavenly Father, and we are adopted into his family as children of the living God, we are essentially living like orphans. We, we have that orphan heart. And if we serve out of the orphan heart, we can do so much damage. We really can. Now, if you're not sure what the orphan heart is, Jesus tells us, because he tells us a story about two brothers. Now, some people call it the parable of the prodigal son, which I think is a little bit of a, of a misnomer because there were two sons. Um, but we, we like the first part of the story, don't we? The son who ran off with his, his inheritance and he squandered the lot on the whole sex, drugs, rock and roll scene. And then he comes home and he's lost all his money and he's lost all his friends and he comes home with, the, I'm not worthy to be called your son bit, make me like a hired servant. But the father was having none of it. And you know the story, he welcomes him home with hugs and kisses, and he gives him new clean clothes, he gives him a robe to wear, he puts a ring on his, on his finger, and he puts on... What Father God does for us when we run out of ourselves and we come back to him. Now, wouldn't it have been great if the story stopped there? But it doesn't. Because there's that other son. A little bit annoyingly, there's that other son. Now, this other son, working away in the fields, serving for all he was worth, And I think Jesus told this part of the story because he understood human nature. He understood how easily we slip from sonship into being a servant. And this son, he had forgotten who he was. Here he was, he was working hard and according to the world he had all the right values. But he was a son who didn't know who he was. He was a servant first. He had lost sight of being a son. And he came with all, I've been slaving away for you all these years, working my fingers to the bone, and what have you done for me? And you see the wrong motives then start to come in. And if you have a look, you'll see 
on the next screen there. You have that expectation of reward. You never gave me a party. And you have entitlement. Well, where's my fatted calf? And then jealousy starts to come in. He became angry because the other brother was welcomed home. And then you get, you know, it's amazing, isn't it? There's no hint of happiness or, or, um, or, or joy that his brother who had been lost was now found and he was back home and he was safe. But instead, you get that bitterness starts to come in and that animosity. And then you get comparison. You know, you didn't do that for me. And yet, the father said, all I have is yours. Do you know, he had it all, but he wasn't living it. He didn't realize he had it all because he was living as a servant and not as a son. So do you see the danger of serving without knowing who you are? Can you see what the orphan heart actually produces in us? And we all have it to an extent. I know I do. You know, because we're all broken people. And until we find our true father, we still have that orphan heart that needs to be dealt with. Now, I had a good father, but there were still things I wish he hadn't said. There were still things I wish he hadn't done. There were times when I felt he was perhaps a little bit unjust. And that actually builds into that orphan heart within us. Now, however good our fathers were, there's still really only a shadow of the perfection that we find in our one true heavenly father who is full of love and compassion and kindness and forgiveness. Do you know what God wants so much for us is for us to come to him and allow him to heal our brokenness and to know a beautiful, intimate relationship with him. And he wants to restore our orphan hearts to wholeness. Now this morning, I'm not saying don't serve. That's not my message at all. But what I am saying is keep serving, but serve out of knowing who you are. Serve out of that place of intimacy with the Father. Serve out of that place of sitting on the Father's knee and sharing your deep heart secrets with him. See, if we know that we are a child of God, it won't bother us if somebody else gets the credit that we think we ought to have. But the orphan heart, it craves recognition. If we know that we are a child of God... It won't bother us if we receive no reward because we know that a better reward is coming. And Jesus tells us that if we serve looking for a reward, that's the only reward we get. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to get my reward from Jesus when I meet him face to face. That is so much better. And if we know that we are a child of God, then jealousy doesn't become a factor. I mean, it builds up so easily in us, doesn't it? But if we know that we are loved with a perfect love, and just because somebody else seems to be being used by God more than we are, it doesn't mean that they are loved more than us. We're still loved with that perfect love. 
If we know that we are a child of God, we're always happy and we're pleased when our brothers or our sisters are applauded for their success or for whatever they might have done. We celebrate that fact rather than looking at them with jealousy or whatever. And if we know that we are a child of God, there's no need for comparison. We know that we were called and chosen and placed on this earth for such a time as this. You're not here by accident. And what we do has no bearing on our significance either because we know that we are God's child and we can come and sit on his knee at any time. Now, I'm coming out of my own experience today. I really am, because a lot of this is what I feel God has actually been showing me recently. Because after retirement, and then I stepped down from leadership, and, and then we went through lockdown where nobody seemed to be doing anything, and I, I felt myself losing my sense of significance. And I kept saying to God, I don't seem to be doing anything, God. You know, I'm not doing anything significant for you. I, I, I want to be doing things. That's my nature. I, I like to be doing things. And I felt God challenge me, what if I just want you to come and sit at my feet? What if I just want you to rediscover intimacy with me? And I knew much of what I was feeling was coming out of my orphan heart. I was, I was struggling with that lack of significance, and that is, that comes out of the orphan heart. And I think God was calling me to learn to be his child once again, and I had to come to that point of saying, if you want me to learn to sit at your feet once again, then that's what I must do. Now, we were at Soul Survivor recently. We had a great time there, but I was given a prophetic word there, and the prophetic word told me to do just that. I think the person knew exactly what they were saying, and the prophetic word was, learn to sit on the Father's lap and tell him your deepest heart's Desires, And you can see now why my thoughts went back to those times with my own dad. So do please serve. Don't stop serving. But do let the Holy Spirit challenge you. Are you serving as someone whose orphan heart has found its home? Are you serving from that place of intimacy with the Father? Are you even content to serve in hiddenness? Because I think often God asks us to do just that because it checks our motives. And have you found that place of complete peace and rest at Jesus' feet?